What is up, you beautiful sons of bitches? It's Luke, here recording at the end of the night on July 4th, the year of Our Lord 2020. I have J-Dog here sitting next to me. She's taking a nap. I got the two crazy kitties running around and the two baby twinskies down for the count at night. Um, so I'm kind of doing something a little bit different here with this upload. I think this is going to be something I'm going to do kind of going forward to <laughs> pad my numbers, so to speak, to kind of just add more content onto my podcast platform, whatever the fuck you want to call it, more or less just to justify for the fact that I paid to have my podcast up and running. So I'm still planning on doing more interviews. I have a people kind of lined up, a few couple people. Oh my God. I'm, my old man dad brain is complete fucking mush. I have a couple of folks lined up for interviews going forward. Um, and then, God forbid, one day we'll actually finish up some actual play stuff. But in the meantime, my good buddy Oliver, a.k.a. Schmitty, a.k.a. the comedic dragon Schmitz, we have been doing some streaming stuff on our Facebook page, just bullshitting about D&D. And I think it'd be kind of cool to throw that onto the podcast for folks who might not be watching it on my Facebook. So which, you know, I, I I might have some people out there who are not my Facebook friends who actually listen to the podcast, as crazy as that might seem. So I might throw them on here. There's been some funny and good conversations as well. So I'm going to throw them on there. And over the course of the next couple of weeks, I'll probably keep throwing those on there and then continue to do so as we stream. But with that being said, um, like I said, I'll eventually get back onto the regular rules lawyers stuff, whatever that might be anymore as big twins and big COVID have royally fucked up my schedule and my back and my brain. Uh, the only other things I can really think of doing updates on would be my book it's updates, my reading. I am currently about three quarters of the way through book number four of the dark tower wizard of glass. It's fucking great. Dark tower quickly becoming one of my favorite book series. Um, another thing to update would be, we're still kind of going fairly consistently with the homebrew of mine, my my OG from my brain soup homebrew. And we had a pretty fun uh, session last night. Maybe we'll recap that at some point in the near future, maybe on a live stream, who knows. And otherwise, my girls are going to be nine months old tomorrow, which I can hardly believe. And they are pretty amazing, quite honestly. They have given me so much joy and I love them so much their mother is doing a great job at working and doing what you can at the hospital in these very very in these trying times i hope this podcast finds you well in these trying times so you know I'm, we're going to do this and kind of a new side version of the rules lawyers podcast where i'm just you know going to be real lazy and just ripping the audio straight up from my facebook and plasting it here plasting it i'll be plasting it right here so here it is and I love you. Goodbye. From my page, Luke is going to be sharing it. We're going to be starting episode one because uh, we a week ago, week and a half ago, we did kind of an episode zero to test this whole thing out. And this is going to be a Dungeons and Dragons kind of themed uh, quick little live stream. And we're going to be focusing a lot on character creation or uh choices on like what kind of character you'd like to play in dungeons and dragons uh stick around if nothing else sit down and uh just hear two guys talk chit chat with us in the comments uh and 
And uh, okay, the video is shared. Hopefully, it, it shared last time, but we just didn't have the. Uh, no one could see it before. <laughs> so uh, hopefully, it'll work. But yeah, let's get this rolling, Luke. You can take over. Yeah, man. Um, you know, I was gonna say my first thing that I wanted to bring up uh, in our last one kind of our test pilot thing. I might have been one of your friends. I didn't recognize the name. And the comment was something along the lines of this, uh, this conversation reeks of high school virginity. And I want to ask you friend, how do you explain my high school virginity? I haven't played D and D until I was 25 years old. So explain <laughs> that. Um, I, 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 I guess uh, somebody would definitely be uh, alluding to the, Anyone who's uh, into Dungeons and Dragons at any stage in their life probably wasn't attracting a whole lot of ladies uh, at any given point in high school or not. Uh, what? I, I, I've heard some legends, you know, some legends tell of people who'd actually meet their significant other at a table, which is ideal. <laughs> that is oh. ideal. That mm, checks I, so many boxes right there. I've been trying to get um, Lily to play D&D for years, and she's just... She's just not into it. Maybe if I find the right crew or if I just get like a lot of people and get the peer pressure on her really strong, I might be able to uh, persuade her to play a barbarian or something. But We will force you to have fun. Mandatory fun time. <laughs> That's how Lily is. Sometimes you got to like, you just got to force her and then she, uh, and then she'll, you know, kind of dip her toe into the water. But yeah, right. as, as you mentioned, I think we were going to talk about character creation and that's something that I, I think it's interesting between, um, person to person on what their process is. And I kind of wanted to ask you maybe on a, a couple of different topics on um, like where you start, maybe where you get your inspiration from things to that nature. All right. Well, there are several different ways that I might go about creating a character because um, one, you're going to have to have that character for an amount, amount of time. I know that at any point in time, you can just drop a character or a character can die, you know, like in all of the old editions, I hear that you didn't even name your character until they were at least level five because, mm -hmm. you know, some, they might not live that long or something bad might happen to them. But the reason uh, why I, I always expect them to kind of go the distance. I like, I don't create the character with the intent of wanting to drop them before they've kind of completed a campaign. So the longevity of it is kind of a big, it makes it a big decision. Uh, and the way that I can go about it is what does the party need? Cause I, I usually kind of go last in a group of like, if there's two other people, I usually let them decide what kind of class or race or what kind of character they want to make first. And then I'll fill in the gaps where their characters are, you know, not as strong. Like if they have a couple charisma or wisdom classes, then I'm going to probably get one that has intelligence. Or if I have a couple strong boys on the team, I'm going to be the smaller, shiftier one um, to fill that need. And also, you know, uh, some people or some teams, you know, go about battle and go about uh, out of battle stuff differently. So I kind of just fill the gaps. If, if there's a paladin and a fighter on the team, I'm probably not going to go ahead with my barbarian. Mm -hmm. um, exactly. I'm going to stop here real quick. <clears throat> I know my friend Andy, or I should say Alexander, uh, as he goes by on Facebook, it appears that he is getting a nod available for the video. I don't know if anybody else is having that problem, but I don't know if it's the same problem we were having last time or not. It is. But. I don't know why it defaults to that. I should have checked immediately. Let's there see. There we go. Yep. Now, now it's working. 
I think yeah, it's working I well. I don't know why I didn't check that immediately. Ah. Ah. How dare you, Smitty? All right. Just to recap, everybody who might just be now tuning in because of all that, uh, we're talking about character creation. Uh, and, and yeah, just long story short, I, I like to fill a need in an already established kind of group. If there are three people, including me, I let the other two go first and then just kind of decide, oh, it sounds like they've got the physical stats kind of down pat. I might um, go with one of the more intelligence, wisdom, charisma kind of classes because um, I really like party comp. I like uh, there to be some balance in the group or if the group is running low on, there's no healer or there's nobody who's got sustained healing. If the party's got uh, a rogue and a barbarian, nobody's, nobody's set to heal each other. Like those are two really good uh, classes well, on their own. You know, one, they don't have, one's not getting hit and the other one just takes all the damage anyway. So yeah, they don't need yeah. the healing. Well, in, in theory, in theory, like all, all plans, um, you know, can go astray. The The other thing that uh, when it comes to character creation, sometimes I have a concept, like I've made just the group's shield, uh, the entire character um, concept was just boosting the AC and making sure that I could force the dungeon master's hand of you kind of have to, um, you kind of have to attack me before you can get to my friends. Mm -hmm. And, sacrificing every little bit of attack that I could to get more defense. And that's a character that I've talked with you about before where mm -hmm. his AC was just getting up to monstrous levels uh, at the early stages. Yeah. That's very cool. I remember that conversation on the, on the podcast from before. Very cool moments of you just kind of soloing like what five or six hobgoblins. All oh, go. It, was, it was double digits actually <laughs> where just so many of them were rolling. And uh, I think that unless they crit, I could decide whether or not they hit me based off of the amount of just armor and two spells and abilities all kind of going and play at once. Um, and I could just pretty much decide what I was going to tank, what I didn't, you know, what I didn't want to take. Uh, and it was, that was a really cool moment. The other biggest thing is sometimes just out of battle, I want to be able to role play a character that I'm going to enjoy role playing out of battle. Like most of the time I feel like I am really drawn to a dumber character. <laughs> Those are my favorite ones to uh, role play as and, uh, and, and kind of get to fumble through and interact with all of the other characters in the world uh, right now um, in a, in a campaign, just like a couple of us social distancing can still get together and play my, my character is Damien Dragonbeard, the Dragonborn Druid. Mm. And mm -hmm. and yeah, he's just a, he's just a very stoner hippie character who I I just really like being able to kind of talk like because I also like to do character voices quite a bit. Sure. So at the character creation, I have to go. Okay, am I going to be able to commit to this voice <laughs> for hours and hours and hours? Or am I going to regret this immediately and just start talking in my regular voice half an hour into the sit down? Mm -hmm. Because Damien, I, I did sink into his voice. I really like it. He's he's a very Michelangelo from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like, oh, wow, righteous. Like, here we go, everybody. Let's all praise the great tree. What are we going to do today? Praise <laughs> the great tree. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we play loose and fast with some of the deities uh, where like, he's just a great tree worshiping druid. Um, Y'all, we're all family in the great tree. You know? 
And uh, that's pretty very dude. Where's my car? I, I like very, the great tree. Yeah, that's uh, he's and he's got all these like little fun names for like his like little uh, in his herbalism kit. It's very heavily implied that like those are just drugs uh, mm-hmm. in our world where he's like, and this one is called Thomas the Dank Engine because it looks <laughs> like there are faces on things that shouldn't even have faces. <laughs> and this one's called KFC because it's got 11 herbs and spices. Um <laughs> Yeah, That's so I, got, I, I really like him, and uh, or I've uh, got a fairly new character that I'm rolling around as an NPC that might become a uh, a character someday. It's a tavern brawler, dwarven barbarian. Uh, his name is Corin Goodbarrel, and and it's the reason why tavern bra- tavern brawler is just kind of aesthetic and it's very, very fun for me. And it's one of the half feats where you get a uh, strength and constitution mm-hmm. or strength or constitution. Yeah, that's right. uh, and also this is kind of like a loose and fast, but like, while well, I've used him as an NPC, the, um, the improvised weapons, if they're light enough, I consider them a light weapon. Okay. So uh, being able to use light weapons and they're only def fours you know an improvised weapon uh d4 plus your uh strength and if you're raging um but i do that so that way if he's you know got like a couple beer bottles or he picks up a fish or something like that uh he can use uh his bonus action for an attack uh if he's already attacked you know with his main action which is just a nice little damage output and the amount of modifiers uh he's given that's that's just how i use the character and when I've been able to uh, use him as an NPC when I'm uh, dungeon mastering, I really like to give him kind of that dwarven, Scottish, or Irish, Scottish, Scottish uh, kind of accent. Um, yeah, Scottish, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm almost self-conscious to even like attempt it now, but like <laughs> at, at the time, especially like when I'm a couple in, because that's the best time for me to DM is after I've had one or two drinks, that's prime. Uh, the what's it the depreciating you know uh returns after mm-hmm. that though but yo hoy i do like i he, he's almost like got like kind of a scottish pirate like, <laughs> and i can be like <laughs> it's funny how really it's funny how scottish and then pirate and jamaican all kind of like blend together and that's like the dwarven lexicon of accents in my opinion I like, and yeah, he's, it's very, very fun. And that's like one of the things that goes into character creation for me is not just what the mechanics are going to be in battle, not just what the mechanics are going to, in theory, make me good at outside of battle. It's also going to be this character's personality is going to be whether I want it to be or not are going to be like the biggest part of the game. Mm -hmm. I think that's where some people really, really get lost in Dungeons and Dragons uh, is that they make their character for battle and then um, then out of battle, their character doesn't like have nearly as much depth or they don't seem to do... I, I feel like that's why they don't enjoy the character out of battle as much is because they haven't given themselves a character to actually play. For sure, for sure. I, you know, it kind of depends, I think, on the game you're trying to play. Like if you're basically there as a war game kind of person if that's all you got then you know go go right for it but if you like to add a little more spice and a little more of the the fully uh the fully realized game with role playing and even just joking around it, it is i find it important and can well, be very and fun even, well even during battle 
that's a very nice way to kind of spice up like what's your character i know that your character rolls and he hits or you know he does this much damage but while he's doing it is he out there you know like is he out there being goofy like gimli is he out there you know <laughs> just kind of like going around yahar yahoy and he's just like aha bring it everyone come at me i dare you you've asked me you've asked me to toss you five times this battle you always tell me not to tell the elf every time yeah. But like I think that's like so much more fun and it brings the battles much more to life when the like you've given the character a little bit of moxie, a little bit of attitude, rather than just person who is attacking at this at this time. Mm -hmm. You've given them some depth. Um I was just talking to an uh, old player of mine. He was my first session as a dungeon master, several people's first time playing. He had a character named Thulk which he named after Thor and Hulk from the Marvel universe. And he was a half. Yeah. And he, he made a really nice concept character drawing and it was uh, very fun. And he was the only one who brought a character to the table. Everybody else brought a race, a class, a background, you know, and just kind of like had this like avatar in the world, but he was the one who brought this fun, loving battle, loving, like I'm going to Valhalla. Like when I, when it's all over in the meantime, like he was just a very fun, he, he loved his drink. He had like a very, he had like a whole attitude about him to this day. The very first time that I've DM'd few, if any players are on that same level, as far as bringing a character to the table and on the, like, or, or even developing them mm -hmm. This this person brought a, character in right off the bat and instantly in my opinion understood what made a compelling or fun uh breathable character as opposed to everyone else who was just kind of wooden coming in and i could attribute that to everyone else kind of sure. being shy and not knowing exactly like how to do that on the first time but again i think that most people look at the paper and look at the numbers and then they don't think about the character and that's that's i feel like what we all most people remember in a DD game are the characters and the personalities and the stories more than the oh remember that one time when you averaged very very high numbers <laughs> with your hexlock warlock or hexblade warlock uh doing mm -hmm. eldritch blast with the agonizing blast uh feature I sure. feel like I feel like more often than not, like it, it left an impression on me. It's been almost three years. I think in July, it'll uh, July or early August, it'll be three years. And I think that this character has borderline never been topped, uh, except for Colin Wilson right there, who uh, left a comment uh, that I helped him create his character, uh, mostly just from a number side and also asking like, what do you like? what do you think that you'll enjoy playing? Like, what do you think that you'll be able to sink into his character is a dwarf named Robert Frostbeard, which is like a play on the, uh, American author, Robert Frost. Oh, and, okay. And, and, uh, Robert and Frostbeard was just a great name for a dwarf. And, uh, and yeah, like that, that was like a really fun. And he instantly decided that he was going to character act and voice act his character with that same kind of, <laughs> like with that same kind of accent that all dwarves have and like a Sean Connery. Like, yeah. And it, it's just that much more fun to, I think DM for and interact with. Mm -hmm. uh, so like for me, I guess I went from least to greatest in terms of my values, but I, for me, I would say like, think of out of battle, 
who do you want this person to be? Cause like, that's going to be the personality during battle out of battle. Uh, and then you'll have more enjoyment out of the character. And then after that, you know, team need, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So then on the opposite end of the spectrum, uh, you're, you're going on, um, you're, you're talking about more of like a, not, not even like a social aspect, but more of like a fully realized actual, um, uh, like a person and really this is covering all ends of the spectrum before you're saying party comp, maybe we're kind of going by like balancing class, whatever. Do you ever have uh find yourself or even players that come to your table doing the classic D and D player trope of showing up with like a huge 10 page backstory because I've done that. And I, I I've done that. I've come to the table with that, but not, um, not forcing it on people. Uh, oftentimes, I'll write long backstories just for myself, and like I might share it with my D and D crew and say, "Hey, if you want to read this, cool. If you don't, I just wrote it for myself, and I'm not gonna like force it on you." Uh, and then, of course, we we can go on a tangent about whether or not like stuff like that should be developed in game, or if they should have a long flush up backstory. Do you ever experience anything like that? Um. So, I have a couple takes on that. Like, my first immediate thought is, I wish. I, I would I would love for any player ever to come to me with here's here's something here's what you can get about my character. I wrote five pages and it's gonna like tell you a little bit of his history and it's also gonna get some of his personality across because that's you know you're gonna pick some of that up in five pages, ten pages mm-hmm. of a of a backstory. Um the only exceptions that I would take, because like that that would just be great. Like that shows commitment, I think, and that shows a lot of just initiative. The only thing is that um, depending on your character, like the, like in where we are at in the story and where we're going to be starting, I would not like certain things that might be in the backstory to have actually happened in our world's canon. Mm-hmm. Like for instance, if I'm starting off the campaign and you guys are level three adventurers, I don't want to read in your backstory that you were a dragon slayer known for making all of the, purple dragons extinct and you're like there aren't any purple dragons and he says exactly (laughs) um the i think that it needs to line up a little bit and like i i would take it as kind of like a alternate story or like a epilogue or prologue at some point in time later because also if you have the most interesting stuff that could happen to your character happen not at the table that and happen you know before the game even starts then what's the point of your character's journey at that point in time if mm-hmm. they've already done something arguably cooler than something that I'm going to try to uh, create for them. For sure. For sure. I know, um, and I'm not sure if he's still watching as of right now, but um, Alexander, who I we have in the comments right now, he is very prolific at writing and he, write, he has a lot of awesome ideas. Uh, we've sat and done like world building sessions just a just random idea generating sessions and he he kind of digs what i've been laying down for the the homebrew world that i run that i haven't spoiled too much for him yet but the nice thing about him is that he does have a, a, a lot of backstory stuff but at the very least when you're at the table he doesn't force it in the forefront and it's kind of there in the background and if things pop up then they pop up but it's not constantly uh kind of like shoving it in other people's faces being like oh well i have all this stuff all this cool thing how cool am i when um everyone else might not have committed that much or particularly care to go into that depth but um well, and some people don't know if they have the liberty to or not and they get to the table and say well i probably would have made more of a backstory but i didn't know we were supposed to do that mm-hmm. we could do that um sometimes i very much so encourage as kind of like an extra credit uh thing for my players uh say hey like 
before we started this adventure and like when you guys were born, there was some downtime now seeing like where we're at contextually fill in some of those gaps of like maybe you three, you know, hanging out before you were full fledged adventurers or some of your own side stories that we can get, you know, some of your personality or some callbacks, Mm -hmm. maybe some story beats to repeat later. Um, I, I think that going back after the players, see what your, um, what your, uh, campaign is like and what your world is like i think uh after session one i think that they could make their backstory mm. i like i kind of like that i like making your backstory after your, your session zero session one and this actually reminds me of um are you familiar with the fate system at all rpg no i've never played it but i know about it like in theory and at one point uh my D crew we were contemplating the idea of doing a Dresden Files themed fate game and Dresden Files awesome series of books. If you haven't read them, you should, they're really good. There are two coming out this year. I'm very excited. But um, in the the process of character creation in that system, uh, it's like a group thing. People don't just kind of show up with their own character made. They might get some of it done, but you show up and you got like half your character done. And the rest of it is you, uh, you're supposed to have like bonds and relationships with like, oh, the person sitting on the table to your left, how do you know them? Oh, and how did and how did you meet this person? And like it ends up really giving an actual justification for why people are traveling together in a party where with D it's like eh, you're adventurers, you got it off a wall at the tavern. And that's fine if if people are like just want to hand wave that and who gives a shit. But I, I do like the idea of a um like why are we all together? How do we know each other? It kind of gives some level of investment that would probably make that peach just a little juicier i think that i'm definitely going to start doing something like that in future sit downs because i've thought about that before of hey uh kind of have a backstory where you either know somebody uh like a common npc in the world Mm. and or one other player at the table before all this happens um because i usually kind of take the liberties of telling the players show up uh, with your characters and then I will tell you what situation they're in. Um, a couple examples, uh, like Colin uh, just said again, that we st- that they started out in the penguin village um, is that they were three babies who were just set adrift. Like, uh, is it Moses who was found in the river? Mm. That tiny little boat just set adrift mm-hmm. Moses style. And they uh, uh, in the ocean wound up at penguin Island and were <laughs> raised by penguins for the first 18 years of their life. Uh, and studied there and, you know, became adventurers and learned the ways of penguin martial arts and penguin <laughs> and penguin uh, fighting and stuff. And then they graduated uh, the adventurer school. Like, so like they showed up with a ranger and I knew it was a ranger. So I knew to base uh, the campaign partially around that to make sure that the ranger wouldn't be uh, lacking, mm-hmm. but uh, a ranger, a paladin and a, uh, this is one of the most vile characters I've ever created. Colin, I hope you're still listening. Robert Frostbeard was a dwarven arcane trickster. Very cool. Um, Very that cool. is what that is one word to say about it. <laughs> yeah, uh, arcane trickster is a subclass of rogue, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, he uh, it, it's it's a weird mix, but it, it very much so worked. I, the, the idea of a dwarven rogue really appeals to me. I've seen it in a couple of like stream, you know, I think there was some critical role related stream that did once. And there was a, there was a dwarven rogue. I really like the idea of a, of a little scurrying stout guy running around, maybe doing some second story work. I also really like the arcane trickster 
this is a real side tangent. Now we're just talking about specific mechanics and classes, but I love their ability. And I think it might, I don't know if it's a capstone or if it's up there, but they can surpass any class requirements in a magical item. And they can just like, they, in theory, that they could use the like, a holy trickster. Avenger. That is the uh, it's thief. Not? That is the thief. I'm uh, pretty oh, sure. Oh shit. Is it really? The thief okay. can uh, bypass yeah, any prerequisites um once they get to like it's it's a late level like yeah it's not okay, the capstone yeah. but it's pretty up there for that subclass okay um and yeah that's it, it multi-classes really well but i i the mm. players didn't know who their characters were in the world they had you know like their name their personalities their race classes all put together but then they showed up and i told them yep you guys are uh fresh adventure school graduates or sometimes like we'll have it be like oh yeah you guys rolled up with these characters um you you three are employees at a bar uh mm -hmm. what positions do you guys think that you have and then the campaign happens uh as like their uh employees at the bar and then some ruffians come in some weird stuff comes in uh they have some like mini uh mini puzzles or challenges to try to sell more drinks using you know their skills or role play <laughs> um gotta get those tips gotta, gotta get those tips and uh yeah exactly um and yeah just just stuff like that because i i've never had a player come in with their own backstories to the to that point usually the players kind of plop down with okay dm what am i doing <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, kind of mentality for sure uh, and for, I, for better and for worse sure i wonder if you can maybe reflect on this thought but like uh, with, with my, um, with my homebrew endeavors, when it was really starting to kick off and we kind of had our sweet spot now, I'm, I'm starting to now rebuild and I'm hoping to regain that sweet spot again. But a couple of years ago, when I really started doing it, I had, um, my whole homebrew world. I, I think we talked about in the last room where I did the whole thing and my big white binder over there is full of notes that Andy contributed to me, a couple of the players and big white binder a big, <laughs> the bwb <laughs> so i uh uh I, I did all that and the people come and they're very for the most part all the players are very excited and they wanted to sit down and work with me and find their place in the world and like maybe carve out a little piece of the world lore and that is very exciting and i love it very mm -hmm. much but it did kind of contribute to a little bit of my burnout where one of the reasons why i kind of stopped where i was like okay now i gotta incorporate who is character and why all his stuff is going on and okay well now i i know that it connects to kyle's character that was Shadowfell related uh and then uh alexander in the comments he again very prolific has awesome ideas he's got a we carved out a big old expanse of history with elves in in that area and eventually i'm like holy shit i i am like you know in, in the meantime i gotta go to work i gotta talk, yeah. to, talk to my wife every once in a while <laughs> eventually it get like for me maybe just because my brain is just subpar, but I, I got to a certain point when I'm like, hot damn, like I, I am, I don't know. I'm getting a little burned out on this and I think I did. And um, so oh, I don't know, totally. maybe, maybe that's just me trying to like manage my stress or whatever it is, but have you ever had anything in that vein before? Oh, definitely. Uh, as far as like trying to just world build and, um, and get like the characters relationships with each other and the world and, uh, have it all just be tied in and planned mm -hmm. uh, is, is something stressful that I feel like dungeon masters can only relate to with each other. Cause mm -hmm. it's 
doesn't, it doesn't seem nearly as big, bad, or stressful to I think a play. I think that most players would be excited at the challenge until you're several hours into into you you have less to show for than uh than you think, or you think that you're very prepared with like a lot of lore and relationship, and then you burn through it in one sit down, and you realize, oh, I have to think about all of that, you know, again. Mm-hmm. I put all of that work in just for that next week's. Uh, amount of lore that the question uh, that the players are going to ask about the amount mm-hmm. of stuff that's going to keep coming up to make a breathable world to where um, I've, I've had a couple times where the world building and character relationships has been a bit overbearing uh, from my standpoint, but I think that I've managed it well. And most of my players like understood like what all of our limitations were Mm -hmm. uh, to take enough steps back to avoid proper burnout. Oh yeah. My new job. That is correct. At that point, um, my buddy just commented in the comments Mm -hmm. here at that point, I was starting a new job and that was, I was not doing, I was not in a good spot mentally uh, just at that point. I'm better oddly enough now that I've been spending a lot of time with my family and my job is in a relatively, uh, okay place uh for right now but um, and that's and that's good to hear because i've i've seen i because i do stand-up comedy and i do like D D, and i've seen instances of people uh, getting stressed out with their personal lives and their work lives to where they have to take a step back in mm-hmm. D or um or comedy and i've seen it be handled well and i've seen it be handled not well by everybody like so i think for the most part everyone just kind of needs to realize like nothing's as important as like everyone's mental health. And uh, mm-hmm. there's always another day to do something. Nothing like as soon as this becomes not just work, cause you can be passionate, like, you know, about work, but as soon as it becomes uh, a drain, mm-hmm. like co- comedy or dungeons and dragons or whatever you're passionate about or your hobby, as soon as you becomes an obligation and you're dreading it, that's when you should realize that you're in a very bad spiral mm-hmm. and uh, you could sour yourself on it permanently. Exactly. So, there was so many times that I would just stress about like my planar structure and like, okay, every God in the Pantheon has to have their, their whole portfolio and like their afterlives and spell that. And then eventually I came to the point where um, and luckily, I think I just have a really great group of players who they're they're willing to accept whatever level of investment I'm putting out there, uh, which is a great thing for you know if, if you're a player, I think that the number one quality in a player is just understanding and uh, un- accepting of whatever level of investment the dungeon master is trying to put forward as long as they're like trying to give a shit. And, you know if they're if if you can see they're trying and they're like, i I'm willing to give forth this much. I can come up with this much stuff and then eventually maybe we're kind of filling the gaps. Maybe we're kind of laying the train tracks before the train as it kind of rolls down. Um, but, you know, I'm doing this to facilitate this world that we can all play in. And all my players are all like, yeah, man, we're just happy to be here. And I think when I finally accepted that, that like I don't need to exceed everybody's expectations and that they're willing to kind of work with me, sometimes on the fly, sometimes working with some of the stuff I made up before, then my stress level came a lot down. And that's why I'm kind of operating on my homebrew again. I, I think, uh, too... Um, hearing other dungeon masters talk about how hard it is uh, is therapeutic because um, <laughs> like when you ha- feel like you have a very high bar set to, uh, I guess anybody at the table, if, if there's a very high bar set that it could make you lose enjoyment, if you think you're the only one struggling, um, you know, if, if there's another player at the table who, 
is understanding all the plot uh, or understanding like all of the game mechanics and like understands all the puzzles and like has these uh, and is a great role player. And it just thinks you think that it comes naturally. Another player might think, Oh, maybe this isn't for me. Cause all of that is much harder. Just like a dungeon master might, if he doesn't know how much every dungeon master uh, stresses to either prepare so hard that it makes him insane or that dungeon master has to, prepare a little bit uh, and improvise when they have to and still stress about um, what if the improvising doesn't go well? Because mm-hmm. uh, th- that's what I've walked into some sit-downs thinking. Um, I've been told uh, that I was going to take over a campaign pretty much when we were on our way to play. We were on our way to go play and the Dungeon Master said, hey, this wasn't even supposed to be a campaign. We were supposed to do like a one-off. and." Uh, and then it kind of grew and I've just kind of cored myself in the story. I'm not really having the most fun DMing right now. Could you pick up my world? And this is happening uh, an hour before we're about to play. And I'm like, well, yeah. Cause like, I've got like all these other plans and I can take this battle from this campaign. And like, we can do that today. And I can figure out the lore of your world. And I can kind of, and I can kind of like tie up a lot of loose ends. And I was able to do that because I'm very quick. And I have like a lot of just preloaded DM stuff and anything that, uh, anything that I don't already have prepared, I do one of two things, improvise my ass off and just hope to God that that works. Or I take from other works of fiction uh, as much as possible because, you know, just change a couple things here, change a couple things there, uh, make it unrecognizable, but just like take the little bits. And then you, you like when a player asks, Oh, so what's their name or asks like one thing deeper or like look somewhere where you like, they want to take a left uh, when you meant for them to go right. And you want to have things on both. You're, you're able to be prepared instead of having to constantly go down this improvising rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly. I can't remember if we had gone over this in the most recent episode of the podcast that we recorded, which I have no idea when I'm going to be able to edit that. But do you have a trick for coming up with uh, character names just on the spot? Um, I, I love alliteration. Um, as you can tell with Damien Dragonbeard, the Dragonborn Druid, or uh, <laughs> I think it was Barnabas Bogbeater, the Bugbear Barbarian. Um, I, I, I usually like alliteration or um, uh, my players. Oh, God, this is a this is a running joke. They can tell whenever one of my uh, NPCs name starts with a G that I probably thought of it right there and I panicked. Like I can keep the best poker face possible, but they know that if it's like Gumpert, Goomba, Gritches, uh, <laughs> God, I'm trying to think about like, but there have been there have been dozens of G names, and somebody picked up on the pattern. <laughs> and even after I got really good at just being like, yeah, yeah, uh, his name is his his name is Gary, and I can just like <laughs> I just like pass stuff. Just like yeah, what of it? Like I had that plan, but like then they hear that G. My whole facade is just gone. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do really like to have a page open in the player handbook because it shows like a lot of the mm. common first names and last names of a lot of races and uh, in the race section, or um, taking from other works of fiction. Um. Just like other things like Yggdrasil, uh, Castiel from Supernatural, um, Sephiroth from Final Fantasy. Just like here and there, just maybe taking a name, uh, kind Mm -hmm. of paying homage slash 
panicking and it's just a name that came up or if if i've got like kind of this like image of like what i want this uh npc um to be like personality wise maybe that's who i'm drawing the inspiration of uh what i want them to act like and it's kind of sure. a reminder sure looks like you have we have jeff the penguin oh god <laughs> yeah that's the, all, all of those penguins, I just tried to pretty much make uh, as adorable as possible. And then uh, there was there was like one small gang of penguin miscreants uh, who they had to kind of like have like kind of their uh, tutorial battle outside the. Mm. You're going to be very upset when I tell you what the bar and penguin. Uh, it was Club Penguin. Yeah, so they they were outside there, and that was kind of like their tutorial battle, and like a lot of just any any named NPC. Um, I also had a uh, three penguins who were named Mopsy, Wopsy, and uh, Flopsy. <laughs> uh, but there was also a slight uh, trick to their names. Mopsy was a mage, Wopsy was a warrior, and Flopsy was a Ooh, fighter. I like that. And, uh, and yeah, that kind of paid, like, I think Flopsy was the gym teacher. Uh, Wopsy was the shop teacher and, uh, Mopsy was kind of like the headmaster principal, uh, type character. And they had like all these abilities and like, and, uh, that's like, but that's what their stat blocks yeah. were. Cause there was a, a part of it where the penguins could be left up to, um, defend the <laughs> town. If the players were just like, see ya, uh, we believe in you. It wasn't going to go well. I and while Collins actually here, there's like there's a spot where the players were supposed to split up. Some of them were supposed to either stand and fight with the penguins. Some of them were supposed to take out a flank uh, that was coming around of goblins who were coming to burn down Penguin Island and uh, and then eat eat that penguin meat. And then uh, somebody was also supposed to run back into town because like just big catapults had tossed mega huge flaming rocks just into the town that set the town ablaze um and you know crush things and somebody was supposed to go back and help somebody was supposed to stand and fight with mopsy wopsy and flopsy and somebody's supposed to go take out the flank the three players were supposed to split up and then they did and uh somebody stayed or i think that they took mopsy wopsy and flopsy maybe into town to like rescue like to as kind of like a rescue team and then the ranger snuck off and I think took out the flank and then the Dwarven rogue stayed and tried to fight the horde of goblins coming at him. The reason why this is funny is because the ranger, while he was like coming up to the goblins, he swung his sword and he crit failed and I had him throw the sword. And then he, as the player in a panic said, all right, where's the sword going? Uh, can the sword maybe hit another goblin further off? Cause the goblins were pushing another catapult like up the hill or whatever. And that's like where a couple of them were just riding on it and pushing it and driving it and manning the catapult. So he's hoping that it hit them. And then he crit failed, I think again. <laughs> so the sword, instead of hitting them just kept going. And uh, we said that it's still, uh, still flying to this to day. This day, also, yeah. to this day, just like uh, eternally has that shooting star. Just forever. And I think the dwarf who was, like I said, they were all split up. Like he was just in a battle. It was like ducking, bobbing and weaving. And I kind of needed to throw the player a bone a little bit because like, he was outmanned by several goblins 
the roles were not going his way and I was uh, rolling the best I've ever rolled as a DM. Mm. I think that I rolled below a 10 like twice and they were both crit fails. Um, otherwise, all of my rolls were great. So like I, th I had the sword come through <laughs> and, I, and I tried to see if it would hit a goblet on its way. But, but like I, I don't remember if it hit or didn't. But like, yeah, that is a piece of the lore of that world is that uh, Niall's sword. I don't remember his character's name, but Niall's sword is still swinging to this day. Yeah. Make a holiday out of it. Like every time it passes by, like on the, on the oh, harvest. <laughs> don't get me wrong. It's going to come back sometime in the campaign <laughs> at the darkest hour of the campaign. Schrodinger's when all, sword. But all hope is lost. What is that? Chekhov's sword. Chekhov's sword. Chekhov's sword. Oh. That's good shit. But yeah, that's gonna that's that's a great player moment. That uh, it was in the comments, like, oh, you should have talked about this in the last one. <laughs> uh, and Silent, Silent was his name. It's very um, cool. But yeah, that's that that was a fun character. But that that's uh, that's my trick for coming up with NPC names is either alliteration or some type of wordplay, or I panic and I make them start with a G. Um, <laughs> It, it, G hasn't failed me yet. Double down on that G. If I were smarter, because I we usually eat before we play D and D, so I'm still finishing my plate or drinking my drink, and then everyone sits down. We're ready to play, and uh, sometimes, like at the table, the table isn't big enough for the dungeon master to have a massive amount of space. Because mm -hmm. if I had more space, and if I weren't eating right until we started playing, I'd probably have either a printed out list or the book open or an, a tab open if, or something like that. Yeah. I think in Xanathar's, okay. I think there's like an unnecessarily long couple of pages of names. And I don't know if you have Xanathar's or not, but I, um, I want it so bad. It's, hate, it's, amazing. it's a great book. It's I, 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 I hate having to go to the internet every time I need to look at one of those subclasses. Yeah. It's, it's worth getting it for sure. That's one of those books that I feel like, once you go beyond PHP, it's very much worth the money. But I think it's the I, first one past the the basic three that somebody would need to get. Yeah, maybe Volos if you really want some races potentially. Um, I always tell myself I want to use those names in that section of the book. But one trick that I well, I, I really have like two tricks. I often and this ha doesn't happen a whole lot, but I uh, I like the idea, and I'll do it sometimes of taking like a fast food chain and kind of swapping out some letters. So like um. Uh, like instead of Panera bread, there could be someone named Panera bread. Uh, oh yeah. You know, something like that. Uh, often the, uh, uh, if I really need a name quick, it's either going to be Luke, uh, Kuel, which is just an anagram of Luke, Luke Vorwald, Kuel Lovard, uh, Vuk Lorwald. I've had a few Vuk Lorwalds in my campaign and, uh, or even just the players, but yeah, his name is Paul. His name is Oliver. His name is Schmitty. His name is Dylan. His name is Andy. And they, he was, he looked like, oh, he's a human. He's about five foot. <laughs> describe what they look like yeah that, that's uh i've i've done that a couple times where i've used some real some real people names as kind of like an inside joke uh especially like if i've got a caricature and of them in the in the world um usually i don't do it randomly luke lorewald luke lorewald <laughs> um but like one of my favorite ones is coming up with fantasy words or fantasy names uh, especially geographically is very hard for me mm. without it sounding too fantasy and uh like my my starting 
uh, continent, or my, maybe it's a starting town. I forget which, but the the starting t- yeah, it was a starting town was uh, Fadar Khalis, which is an, an uh, what's an anagram? Yeah, it's the letters switch around. All yeah, uh, of Cedar Falls. Okay, that's cool. I like that. Yeah, it's uh, kinda- only it has an extra I in there, but like Fadar Khalis was kind of like a like it's kind of an Easter egg and kind of a cheat and it rolled up into one. Hmm. Um, that's very cool. It's kind of very uh, Tom Riddle, Voldemort esque. I, I feel like uh, one of my friends says that he hates uh, word searches uh, because he's read enough books and looked at enough fantasy things that instead of being able to find the words that he's supposed to find, he's just like, nah, like these are like instead of just doing uh, unscrambling stuff, he's like, nah, that's probably just a word in a fantasy book. So he doesn't like <laughs> unscrambling them. For sure. Whenever I do towns, um, or really whenever I do like an arc or a setting in like my homebrew stuff, I'll often base it off of some sort of theme or show or book or movie. I know when I first started my first ever homebrew stuff, it was all based off of Breaking Bad. Like all the characters were Breaking Bad related. And the town was called Albertstown, which is kind of a loose association to Albuquerque. And um and then eventually, when I kind of had like my golden age and my homebrew with my current crew, it was all based off the Andy Griffith show. And so everyone there was ba- there was B, there was Griff, uh, Fife, uh, Otis, a lot of uh, Andy Griffith characters. And then I have a theme currently. I don't know if anybody's picked up on it yet. I don't. They haven't mentioned it, so I'm not sure if they have. Um, yeah, that's 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 a real fun way to do yeah. things for sure. Duke Narwhald. I'm gonna. That's getting a little fancy for me, Jansen, but I'll I'll take it. I'll put that in the old chamber um uh you know maybe even going back to like mechanical things if you are just from like a mechanical standpoint uh what do you do you have a process on how you like to do a character maybe even like if you're theory building or maybe you never um, this character ever do you like with me i go cl- i i want to play this class and then based off that, that class i'm going to choose this race that's almost how i do it every single time and i just can't help myself because i'm a filthy power gamer i not, re- not really I, I usually go by class uh, because there's something about that class is like what I want to play. Um, whether it's, you know, a certain spell that they get or a certain feature that they get. Usually it's the class that makes mm. that hooks me into the characters. But like once I've decided on the character's personality, which I think that you can put any personality on any character and try to make it work uh, mm-hmm. within reason. Um, but the, I usually go with class and then I can, I have a couple different uh, things when it comes to the uh, race of the class is there's building like unorthodox, which I think that you can do with almost anything like having a half orc wizard sounds bad on paper, but like I would genuinely, I, that's something that I would totally do is build a half orc wizard because the like constitution's great maybe the strength would go to waste a little bit but if that's your dump stat then you're still going to have a 10 and you're not going to have any negatives on mm-hmm. any save or something like that and somebody might point out well intelligence is going to be your most um uh, uh important stat and you're going to have like a plus two maximum in that stat which we play a hair differently uh when it comes to just starting um for us we don't have any variant humans mm. Yes. Instead, everybody starts with a feat um, because what was happening was in character creation for most people and for a lot of people who don't know right now, variant humans just get to start off with a feat and there's like uh, several abilities in the book. 
that uh, are just very, very good and very character uh, building abilities. And a variant human gets to start out with one, and nobody else does. Everybody else has to wait until they're level four or six if you're a fighter, and then eight. Um, and and that's at the cost of like making one of your stats better, so it's not even for free. Uh, and so everyone to make their character kind of like the full vision that they intended their character to be, they were making variant human just because that was that was the only way they had to be a great weapon master and have the great weapon fighting style. So like they had to be a variant human. Otherwise they weren't going to have their full character until they were level four. Or if they wanted another feat on top of that, they weren't going to have their full character until they're level eight. And by the time that you're level eight, you just played through seven levels or, you know, maybe less if you're starting later. But the, the whole point was when we said, well, what if everybody had a, you know, started with a feat. Then everybody started splitting off into half elf, wood elf, high elf, half orc, dragonborn, mm-hmm. and sure. everyone started having. Oh well, now that like we took out the obvious, um, the obvious uh, outlier, then everyone was able to kind of branch out. Um, so, if if you start out with a feat, I I think that you can make the most unorthodox build that you want because you're likely able to get a feat that will give you a plus one in whatever stat you want mm-hmm. sure which means that you could have a half orc wizard level one uh with with this and still have an intelligence of plus three which is as good as anybody can really have as a level one unless you're extremely lucky and you're doing dice rolling or you're doing something other than a standard array or standard point by Mm-hmm. Um, now, and I know you've mentioned that before, and part of me, like the light half of me, thinks, "Hell yeah, that's awesome! Chase your bliss, do your shit." The the darker, gone through adventurers league, gone through the gauntlet, that like it it, it grinds me in a wrong way. The idea uh, of giving, but but again, like n- not not really. Like that that's more my instinct. That's more like I came through the the fire and the flames of adventurers league, and like having gone through that whole thing, which I think there's something to be said about how you begin playing these sort of games and how it kind of affects your psychology and how <laughs> characters should be made and how like you should play. But I mean, like, but let's say I was a player in your game and if I were to show up, I think like I'd be totally down and I've been a part of other games too, where like, you know, we start with um maybe not a feat, but everyone starts with like really high stats. And like, I, if everyone's buying into it and everyone's cool with it, I think the fun does not get affected. Um, but uh, the, uh, I, I think it's it's worth mentioning where I came from in terms of when I first started playing D and D with Adventures League, and maybe you don't know this about Adventures League, which there's a there's a lot of weird rules with a lot of things about a, a part of it. But one of the main rules that I did not like was that um, in when you're doing a character, you couldn't roll, which I, I kind of like doing the standard array or doing a point by myself. That's kind of my preference. I never really rolled for stats, but I kind of enjoy oh, keeping it more. Like, I've told dungeon masters before. Please, can I just do standard yeah. array? Like, because rolling, it, I, I have such terrible luck. Mm-hmm. And I just mm-hmm. know that my campaign, or even if it's just a one-off, like, is going to be heavily influenced by if these numbers are even average. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I had that with my Dragonborn uh, bard that I ran back in the day, um, where his stats were just so pitiful. Yeah. So, so bad. Uh, like, I was able to get his charisma um to start with a plus three mod 
but that was that was it. Um, no good. Yeah. Like no. His, his his strength, dex, con, wisdom, and intelligence were all such garbage. <laughs> and I was able to still have fun with the character because a bard, all they need is charisma. Sure. But like, there yeah. were so many parts of the character that I I felt it looked bad on my character creation when in in reality, just the stats mm. held him. Yeah, numbers aren't everything, but. I mean, they're kind of something. Like, why? Why the fuck do we care about these numbers on the sheet if they're not? If they're nothing? Like, they mean yeah, they mean something. But so then, another rule that they have with Adventures League is that it's called the PHB plus one rule, which means uh, in order to create a character, you can only use the player's handbook plus one other source, and that's for anything. It could be Ooh. so PHB and Volos. That's it. PHB and Xanathars. That's it. Even if you wanted to use like spells from uh, Sword Course Adventures Guide, that's it. That's Morning Canaan. And that drove me fucking wild. That and that makes me like I could I could handle that because all I ever want is PHB stuff, and then uh, Green Flame Blade or Booming Blade. Those are usually those are usually the only things that I feel compelled sure. to pull from. Well, but the, I mean, if like uh, for example, I I love the idea of a Wanty Pure Blood Hex Blade. Fucking love that. It's oh coffee. Uh, I it, it's a great build. I think it's amazing, and you you can never play it in um. Adventures League. Luckily, I didn't spell that. It got a little. It tiny sounded little. like it. <laughs> I, came close. Lie. I came close. Uh, Lily would not be pleased if I had a big old brown stain on the white carpet here. But no, it. Uh, I love the idea of like mixing and matching, and I think eventually, um, you don't have to, but a lot of people will go so far with the PHP, and then they're like, "All right, let's." You know, I want to take the feat from Xanathar's, but I want to use a class or, or a race from Volos or or Morning Cannons, whatever. And it, it became very grating. So now. Um, that we don't really do Adventures League anymore. I still have some of those artifacts still left in my head. And when I'm trying to build a character, I'm like, oh shit, I can, the shackles are gone. I can do all these things now. I, God forbid we do some Unearth Arcana now too, which I think is um, something I even get hesitant about trying. But there, Unearth Arcana is just too, too much. It's playtest. It it's playtest and not official for a reason. Uh, what what was it like the um, the monk with the, psychic tentacles or whatever it was i mean there's a warlock with tentacles uh no there there was a monk who was able to attack like 12 times per turn or something like that using his uh key tentacles or key <laughs> i i don't remember what it was but it was it was something crazy the, the, the hentai tradition oh god so many tentacles uh the and then the barbarian with the druid like basically half druid was it the Feywild Barbarian with the magic? I think so. Yeah. I, I, I don't look into Unearthed Arcana that often, other than when my friend said, oh, they kind of fixed the ranger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And every once in a while, there will be some things. I'll, I'll look at them because I'm curious. And then based off their history, I know that that's kind of what, I mean, it's, it's what they did with Xanathars, where they did a lot of UA classes and then, or subclasses, and then put it over into a new book. I Some of them, I'm like, I really hope they do this eventually. And I think they're kind of gearing up towards one in the next like year with any luck. Uh, anywho, that's a sad thing. But I do want to hit on this question that uh, my buddy here in the comment he mentioned here. I think this is um, this is a, and this is a thing on the character sheet that I think a lot of people often forget, or maybe in my experience with uh, Adventures League specifically that it, this shit never comes up. But um, are you using bonds and flaws and other background goodies? And I want to get your read on that. How much stock do you put into that like flavor fluff stuff? Um. I think it's like as far as the background itself, I think that it's good to kind of like add flavor to the character 
but for the most part, backgrounds for us are just kind of seen as to get the two skills mm -hmm. and the uh, kit proficiency or language or whatever. And then you try to justify how your character character is this weird amalgamation of what you made uh, later. Mm -hmm. But in that respect, though, like we 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 do abide by that. But as far as the flaw, like the character flaws, um, th this is something uh, that somebody in my group did extremely well recently, and this is how we're going to be doing it from now on. Is where we don't go into it with the characters' flaws. It's something that uh, sit down or two in is when you figure out your character's flaws. Mm -hmm. Because if you go into it and you think that your character's flaws are going to be like these quirky little things on the table, maybe role-playing that isn't as funny as you thought it would be and it doesn't have as much staying power um, mm -hmm. as you thought it would. But like this uh, this guy's joke, and I, I do the Penguin Island as a first sit-down for several groups like that's like my go-to i have level two people it's your first time here's the here's the whole thing when uh wait where was i even going with that oh uh like because they were on penguin island um they were the only it was a half elf a wood elf and a dragonborn those were the three babies that washed up ashore in that campaign now the um half elf because he had never seen anybody but those two and penguins before, every time he ever meets any other dragonborn or any other wood elf, he thinks that that is his two friends. He doesn't know <laughs> that there are other dragonborns or other wood elves out there. So he goes up to another wood elf, be like, oh, like, why'd you change into that? You know, those are the cool dudes. <laughs> so that is a flaw that like has become a running joke and it's very, very funny uh, to us. But it's nothing he could have anticipated right off the bat. Mm. And, and any character flaw or quirk that he would have tried to maybe work in, like that, that's it would have been shoehorning in before. Mm -hmm. But uh, for this, it was um, very, very much organic, like letting it organically happen and being like, oh, I'm going to mark this down as this will be reoccurring. This wasn't a one time flaw. I like this quirk. Mm -hmm. I do, you know, I'm from our conversation tonight, I think the one thing I'm really enjoying and picking up on that I might like to impose in the future is like after a couple of sessions, start filling in some of those things, fill in some of that flavor, start filling in some of that background, you know, maybe write down one bullet point in depth and then leave some space for more. Cause then like, like there's so many times you, you throw in like, Oh, my flaw is that I'm a fucking serial killer. And like, you know, if you, if you, it's, that's going to get old quick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that the diminishing returns, I guess, like when somebody thinks that being edgy is going to be that cool or interesting or um, what's it called when you're like, it's like when it's therapeutic by uh, there, there's a word for it. I'm going to think of later. Like being cathartic C catharsis. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like somebody thinks that like, that's going to be just like, Oh, every time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, that's something that maybe uh, you wait until you see the character's, be the characters and then you can say oh now i can add the quirk because like yeah when you try to add the quirks to a character that you haven't even role played yet mm -hmm. it's it's almost as bad but as having a character have an accent that you just decide <laughs> not to do after the first 20 minutes of the sit down but like it's less noticeable and sometimes people are thankful for it but mm -hmm. um yeah that, that's how i feel about the uh like the character flaws Wait to see what happens organically and see if you want to make it reoccurring. 
Um, the fact that maybe maybe the idea that um, every character needs a flaw, I don't think is um, is true. Because I think that like forces a character to maybe act in a way that they wouldn't have. Um, and also, if somebody wants to have a character flaw, just point them in the direction of the alignment chart. I was going to bring that up next. I'm glad that you were going yeah, in the direction of the alignment chart. I, I, I just, in the one where the dungeon master stepped down and let me DM, and he became the um, a, a new player, and I retired my player momentarily, or maybe permanently uh, in that campaign... Um, is he's he's a he's a detective he's a cop like a private investigator he's a warforged paladin uh, and the other two are these bar workers who are kind of like off on an adventure because things got crazy and you know, things got out of hand and I told the players the beforehand I said hey you two he's not going to actually be trying to be a stick in the mud and he's not going to be trying to tell you what you guys should and shouldn't do. His character is going to be doing that. It is your job to just convince his character. Mm -hmm. Like there's going to be a separation where to roleplay his lawful good, robotic logic, um, you know, private investigator paladin of a character to get him to go along with your debauchery shenanigans <laughs> because they are some, like they're not chaotic douche. They're still like, <laughs> they're chaotic good. Or they're um, or they're neutral good. They're they're good, but like they're not lawful <laughs> at all. Um, they, they and they slide, but like it, it's good and it's consistent. But I I told the players, hey, like he's not actually going to be pushing for his point. Like we, I, I kind of before all of that said, like it's borderline his his alignment. Uh, he's going to be lawful to a flaw. Mm. He's, you guys are going to have to convince him that he's abiding these uh, these rules to uh, thwart a bigger evil, or you guys are going to have to trick him. Like that's another kind of the challenge. It's not any, anything that I'm going to hold against the players, but it's going to be a nice, fun dynamic. Like let's eat, drink, and like have fun. Mm -hmm. let, let your characters talk to each other, but like he's he's going to go along with it. Like the character, like or the player, Chris wants to go along with it, but his character, HK27, Holy Knight 27, mm -hmm. uh, is the name of his Warforged Paladin. He, uh, like, the character doesn't want to, but the player does. So I, I made that dynamic kind of clear before we started of the these two newer kind of Shire players. I wanted them to kind of not corrupt the the Paladin, but like, <laughs> but I just realized this is a character's flaw that he's just role playing. He's not trying to affect how you sure. play. It's actually quite vice versa. Yeah, uh, and, and because I, I'd like to think that because I said that that the campaign was able to organically, like the Rogue was able to instead of backing down when the Paladin would say something, the Rogue was able to kind of just mischievously do things while the paladin wasn't looking or convince them like, Hey, no, I did this because of this. Or like they were cheating first. So we should be allowed to, or so, like, like uh, stuff like that. So sure. for, for character flaws, I think that that's um, a very forced thing and it's and everything in the handbook is optional, but like, I think that that is an especially optional part because most characters, if they have flaws, they don't realize going into um, character creation, what flaws they're going to want to role play. Mm -hmm. And I, 
not only with flaws and we're kind of like bleeding in with both like flaws, bonds, um, like even alignment. I think some of those things are kind of like an antiquated artifact from, you know, previous editions mm. and just, it's, it's, it's a different game. You know, you go from like first, second, uh, you know, third and fourth kind of get uh, 3.5, get bleeded in there, but it, you know, you, you might get some, older guys from the previous editions. And this was really going to harken back to my, um, my nightmare DM that we had with our original crew <laughs> in adventures league, but he was very like, you get into dangerous territory where it's like, Oh, well on the character sheet that says chaotic good. You're in like, it, it, it halts up the game. If someone gets really, really hung up on that flavor shit and flavor shit's fun, flavor shit's great. And sometimes it can be great. But um, if you put that down there and if you have a problematic person, it might give them some sort of fodder and then in their head justification to like slam you down and say you're not doing it right because you wrote lawful neutral. That's a pretty I chaotic think, move. And I think can, there are ways to bring discipline. that up without it being accusational. Oh, like it can, maybe, oh, it can. maybe that's a DM to player thing. Because uh, if a player told me how to run my character, like a different player told me, like I, which which I've had before, like there, like I had, I, I just trying to have a lawful good character because i think that that's the hardest alignment to play because that forces you to do uh, like make not take the easiest choice you know nine mm -hmm. times out of ten uh instead of just being able to murder hobo your way through things you have to do things that you don't want to do because it's right mm -hmm. and um there was like a little bit of a torture scene and there was like some kind of like some vengeful energy was being kind of brought to the table to where my character is just like, you know what? Like, yeah, like screw this guy. Like we should. And another player is like, Oh, like you're not like lawful good right now. And I kind of took exception. Like, like, yes, no, like 99 times out of a hundred, I should be all, but like, if there's a situation that calls for it, not nobody's perfect. Like if you're in mm -hmm. the alignment chart, every, like, even if you're lawful good, nobody's going to be perfectly in that square exactly every single time. And if the situation calls for it, maybe that character's motivations will make them just go, you know, this one time I'm going to justify going against my code pocket. Mm, yeah. um, because, and, and that's not something that you should dive into all the time where you get to claim to be a lawfully good paladin. But every time that the DM just kind of annoys you with the character, he decides to lop off his head and be like, well, he was getting in my way and I'm like the <laughs> ultimate sword of justice. So anyone getting in my way deserves it. Right. Ooh. Just be, now, now you're talking, just now be you're neutral. talking about the real world paladin. Just yeah. be neutral all the time. Then you can justify whatever. But um, no, I, I think I can agree. I think that any player who is like a fun person to play D and D with, is understands that if you are locked into your little, you know, that three by three box of the alignment chart, if you lock it, you can't be forced because that's just, it's not realistic. It's a very good, it's a very good guide. And it's a, it's, very yeah, good it's a guide. And I, I think people who are enjoyable to play D and D with understand that because not only to real people, but even just enjoyable characters in fiction, they kind of slide every once in a while. They might be a little more lawful in one part of their story and slide over to more chaotic. But I, I think it's interesting because you'll often see, some of the douchebaggier uh, people who play D and D with people who aren't so enjoyable to play with, that's a particular Avenue that they will slide down to. And that's an Avenue that their, um, their shittiness will kind of like blossom from. Well, and it, it's, I, I think it's interesting how there's certain, like you might see some reoccurring patterns with shitty people to play D and D with, and that's alignment and like bonds and cosmetic things are kind of in that. So I'm not sure where so that comes I, from, but I'm actually going to, 
rethink something uh because usually i tell people to like leave that blank do what you feel and do what you feel your character should do but now i'm kind of thinking uh if somebody's got some intent especially after they do like a session one like saying okay everyone try to try to pick your true alignment on the scale and uh you'll get benefits for doing things in that true alignment sure um, yeah more of a uh kind of like a Attracting more flies with honey as opposed well, to salt, sort a, of yeah. a reward system for doing things in your true alignment. Like if you're claiming to be lawful good, then maybe getting like a little bit of, you know, some, some type of meter that's filling up or some type of like small thing that you wouldn't be getting if you were taking the uh, otherwise uh, easier way out um, or the, you know, the players just being a little bit moody and they decide to have a lawful good character start offing some innocent people <laughs> um like justify it justify because with a paladin you're supposed to be able to justify taking away the paladin's powers that they're bestowed if they start going against their um deity mm-hmm. and uh, their oath right like i think that that's part of the lore of the paladin is if they start going against their oath to a an extreme point their deity won't give them the power spell yeah. slots are probably gone now you're just a really shitty fighter mm-hmm. uh and that's something that, like, I feel like I'd have to tell a paladin uh, going into a game if somebody, like, wanted to be a paladin to say, hey, I realize that um, you were drawn to paladin. It's probably the second best class in the game, if, like, to me. Like, it, like under, yeah, they're, they're strong and well-rounded. They're a half-caster, and they've got a D10, and they've, mm-hmm. like, got a fighting style. They've got all of the armors. They've got a million things going for them. But here's the thing paladins also kind of come with this asterisk of role play and if you kind of like have a fall from grace be aware that like this isn't out of line or it won't be me like uh getting a jab in if the dungeon master says you're starting to act evil enough to where your deity is not going to want to give you as much of its power or is being reluctant and Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're, you're going to need to expel twice as many spell slots to cast the usual stuff that you were exactly. before. Yeah. Um, I think you hit, you hit on a good thing. Like you mentioned maybe saying that at the, at the beginning that, you know, if, if you're a part of a crew and like you let that be known from the get that that's, what's going to happen. And you can say the same thing about a cleric too. Like if, if you, oh, if, yeah. you're, if you're worshiping like, uh, and I, you know, I, I have an okay knowledge of like deities. I'm not going to get into them, but if you're worshiping some sort of lawful good, like, you know, true good, like, Jesus, if you're worshiping Jesus and you just start, you know, slitting the throats of virgins in the street, like, hey, I might not be letting you cast that guiding bolt anymore. <laughs> it's probably not going to happen. So, yeah, it, letting it be known from the get is probably the wise thing to do in that situation. Yeah, I, I, I like because I like a little bit of humanism or a little bit of centrism of like maybe a cleric being like, oh, all of these teachings, like there is another uh, philosophy, there, is, there are other ideals, and kind of centering but like the start yeah as soon as they start being uh bad or evil mm-hmm. in any sense um that like like yeah evil instead of like chaotic they can be chaotic good uh and that's fine but uh yeah if you really but, wanted to get into like a and this might even be fun in theory if, if everyone's on board with it let's say you're a cleric or even a paladin and you just through certain events in the storyline and you kind of like shift into a different mindset or a different uh mentality Maybe you become a little more evil. Maybe you become a little more good. Maybe you. Maybe that's an opportunity you can switch 
uh, mechanically, you can switch to a different like class or a subclass or something. Well, Maybe and that's, that's where I was almost going with the uh, picking a true alignment and like for for staying in that. Or if you decide to step out of that, because you've said what your character is, maybe for stepping out of that, you start losing some of those benefits or for staying in it, you gain like an extra, mm. uh, or, or maybe if you say, I want to change my true alignment. Now you're kind of making the player kind of confess that, uh, you know, I didn't, I don't want to be lawful good or mm. whatever. I want to change my alignment instead of acting like a chaotic neutral, they would then have to like, they would have to actually switch their alignment to it uh, and For kind sure. of just be out and open with it. Just that that's something that's bothered me before with, with the alignment chart is there's nothing that keeps you honest. Like, uh, like anything did in the previous editions from mm -hmm. what I hear. One of my favorite, and it was this thought character and it was in the first sit down uh, the, in the fight that they had the very first fight, uh, the, last goblin in a group of like seven i think was supposed to run as soon as he was the last one left and, and uh when the characters had the chance they could catch up to him and either kill him uh, i i didn't give them options i just said you could kill him if you want to but and then i just kind of like dot dot dotted and they're like wait maybe we can interrogate him and find out why they attacked us or why uh or where more of them are or you know like they they were going to interrogate him they chose that option and then somebody in the goblin was being difficult like he wasn't being difficult because these were first time players i knew better than to give too much resistance otherwise they would not know what to do the, but i was kind of being just like really scared he's like i don't know i don't know should i like i i'm i'm, I'm just freaking out man I'm just, and the goblin's freaking out and then i think the paladin or somebody said um hey if you just like let us know what we want to know we're not going to hurt you we're not going to kill you it's fine dude like you're fine if you just tell us what we want to know you're fine you can calm down you're going to get out of here all right buddy and he calmed down. He told them what they wanted to know. And then somebody uh, killed him anyway. Mm -hmm. That I was going to say, anytime I've ever encountered that situation, uh, dungeon mastering or playing, someone's going to kill him. But Someone, someone's going to kill him. The paladin, who was this Thulk character, who, like I said earlier in the thing, uh, he, in his great role playing, was just like, we said we were going to spare him. We went against our mm -hmm. word. Like, yeah. now I'm going to have to atone to my god. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to whip myself in the back. Well, Ten like, times. Uh, instead, <laughs> what he did, he actually, uh, his character was always seen, like, if you didn't have, like, a sword and shield and, like, you know, taking up both hands, he always had pretty much a pint. And then he had his character had have to swear um, sober for the entire day or something hmm. like that. I like that. And then, uh, and then, yeah, like, so he was able to role play his character, like, being a little bit more desperate because he was atoning for like something that i didn't impose like it was something that i was super grateful for and like i still speak about it this excitedly today uh but he he yeah he gave like himself like a penalty that didn't affect the game at all but it was also great role playing for something that went against his promise and his alignment like so like it, it was him keeping himself honest a little bit that's good and yeah it's it's extremely good uh like he had no idea how good he was doing in that first sit down too. Until I talked to him recently, I said, you're still borderline the best character player I've actually had at a table. And he was happy to know that. Um, speaking of that little, uh, your comment there about best player character. And uh, I know you, you were speaking about uh, this particular 
fella himself. I was going to ask you, is there any other like just big standout, uh, big standout PCs, whether it be like a player or like what their actual PC was, and like maybe there's like, some sort of common thread between them all? Because I have a few in my head of like people who I played with, and, like the real big highlights. And in, in, surprise, surprise, it's not so much coming from the numbers, and it's not so much coming from the fun averages of damage you can come out with, but it's really like, the characterization, the moments, and maybe if they're clever enough, you can work in some of the mechanical aspects into the character. Um, God. Uh, one person specifically, my buddy Austin, has had two characters. One of them was Brawn the Strong, who I don't remember if he was a half-orc barbarian or a human barbarian, but it was just a big lumbering guy who he knew the answers to some of the puzzles or riddles that like, like that I was kind of presenting, but he knew that his character didn't. So like he was sitting there, it's like, okay, DM, I know these things. How do I get, get these out? And we were able to come to a compromise when his character got drunk, <laughs> his intelligence and strength stats would swap. <laughs> That's like funny. a, like a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde uh, situation. Like he'd almost like it, like he'd go from me, Braun, you friend, we fight kind of <laughs> in a dialogue when he'd fight to like when his character would get drunk. He's like, I do say that uh, I believe the situation would resolve itself if we simply just went that way instead of that way. And we spoke the password, which is obviously the answer to this riddle. And like, like, uh, th there's a quarter and a nickel because there's only one that's not a quarter or something like he would <laughs> he, he would like kind of put on this like a little bit of like a posh accent but that was very very fun and that was like all kind of like player dm because he didn't like want to be out of character and be like broad no intense riddle that somehow wizard did not know <laughs> like he had to get drunk and out of character and then it kind of came with like that fun mechanic of switching the strength and intelligence around which some people might already have thought of a way that that could be broken. Uh, I don't care because uh, he was a barbarian who didn't have spell casting. And mm -hmm. yeah, it was a fun way for him to always justify having booze on hand. So that way, maybe <laughs> if his character needed to speak eloquently, he could do that. If he needed to be intelligent for some reason and not strong, because like that meant that his strength was like an eight. Um, you know, like while he was doing that, like he, his loss of motor functions and coordination would mean that his strength was just so poor, uh, even though his vocal and brain skills were top notch. And the, his other character, Thad, is just a monk. And every single inch I give him, he takes a mile. Uh, as far as just, if I introduce something into the world, he does everything weird with it and to it possible and not like gross. Uh, <laughs> just like every tiny like little bit that I ever put into a world he interacts and like when he's the only player that I've had uh that during battle like really wants to choreograph because he's a monk he wants to choreograph all three or four of his attacks that he gets per turn and he's talking like all right I want to do a punch and a spinning back elbow and kind of jump over him and do a mule kick and then do a pele kick and kind of like and he'll like talk out the sequence a little bit like that and like he'll kind of choreograph it and those are all so cool and it's not overdone to any point and those are just like i i like the character or i like the player just owning their character and just squeezing every little drop that they can out of 
how much fun are you willing to let me have with this character mm -hmm. I've created and brought to the table? And, uh, and I think that he's borderline having the most fun out of anybody and just other players like uh, Nick, who's just like this riddle savant uh, or puzzle savant. Like he doesn't get hung up on like looking at the character mechanics on a sheet. He just says, well, wait, well, if we go talk to that guy who said that he had peaches, we can give them to this guy who's hungry. And then this guy won't be so cranky and he'll let us, you know, go by his bridge because he's not so hungry and cranky anymore. Yeah. That's just kind of like a simple little JRPG mm -hmm. like trope, yep. but like he's, he's uh, just really clever and like outside the box. And just as a player, he makes sure that his characters see the world as a living, breathing world and not as paper and numbers. For and sure. That well, and I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned um, uh, being like into your character and like investing yourself into it. It, it kind of goes into the question that uh, my buddy Taylor in the uh, comments here, he mentions here, what would you say the top three most important qualities of a player character should have when playing? And I, I wonder, Jansen, do you mean like, the character or the the player because i feel like those are both different things you can probably what, you know, i feel like things. when it comes to player it's a little easier to answer but when it comes to an actual player character it's a little more difficult and it can be answered i think i'll go one for character is having at least one thing that they can do better than everybody else in the party i, I was gonna say that or even just like a like a gimmick like Gim their, their theme their flavor like you know what your flavor is or like your gimmick and just like own that shit. So for the character, yeah, making sure that the dungeon master can put something in there for you. Mm. Um, oh, and uh, we'll probably go yeah. like over both because yeah, I figured it was the player, mm -hmm. um, which sometimes gets synonymous. But like for the character, making sure that you have something that uh, you can do at least as well. Like so that way, the rogue isn't taking all of the all of the action away from like a bard because mm -hmm. the rogue might have an extremely high charisma stat and they've got expertise and persuasion. So the bard is kind of sitting there like, Oh, I guess I'll fuck off <laughs> with my, with my expertise and other stats, but a high charisma and a proficiency because I didn't think it mattered. And now something that you thought you were good at as a bard is being outshined by a rogue. Mm -hmm. And now, now it's the situation of everything you can do well this rogue can do better so why wouldn't we just have the rogue do it okay just sing your songs in the back bard that <laughs> that that seems like something from a character standpoint you'd want to have at least one thing for the dungeon master to all right here is this section where this character will shine and then yeah that, that's that's one for character we can list some for players for sure yeah and like i said i think player it's a little easier because then a lot of times with players and i, I think jansen might have been hearkening back to maybe like the inverse of what I was saying before, because I mentioned, I think there's a lot of common themes with shitty people to play D&D &D with. And obviously the inverse is true where there's fun, good folks to play D&D &D with, where they share a lot of common themes. I, um, I, I think a pretty easy one for that. And again, a lot of these are just going to be like social interaction and just being like an well, enjoyable person. We should you make, know, not, we should not make them, uh, a category of these are the given category. Mm. And I want to kind of give my top three that make a good player go to great as opposed mm. to there are going to be some no shit answers uh yeah like just basic social interaction like you just don't be an asshole be don't be on your phone the whole time like yeah pay attention you know, don't mm. be stubborn the, those mm. are kind of like the we, we want the band yeah yeah flexibility uh, don't 
don't don't be a my way or the highway kind mm-hmm. of player. No. Um, don't intent like intentionally share the spotlight. Because uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I know some players who like have that main character syndrome pretty bad mm-hmm. uh, here and there. Uh, but that's but like I, I definitely want like three for sure that take a, a good player to great. Um, because because that's a really interesting topic. Because I think that. Oh, one quality that a player could have that would take them from good to great would be um, focusing on your character in the world as like a living, breathing thing, not necessarily just an avatar. And mm-hmm. like when I say that, the the character should feel at home. People should be able to like know things about your character. Um, and this isn't like a slight on other players that I've had, but like I knew everything about Thulk. There were six other players at that table. I could not tell you very many personality traits about Babwar, Varus, uh, Stor, Windriver, Air Quimmies, Lena, Luna. There, there were six other characters. Thulk was the only one who had like a very defined character with his just kind of like beer swilling Mm -hmm. fun having almost an innocent but um like i say almost because like yeah he was still uh a paladin who was able to cut down enemies but like he had this whole care and the player made a drawing a concept art like original just like quick quick little uh you know Mm -hmm. wide note card uh, of his character and i think that that brought the character to literal life and that's like one of my tippy top is make the character feel like a fleshed out character. Um, somebody like my, my way of thinking about it is if somebody were watching the sit down, um, would your character be entertaining to watch? Would your character be interesting to follow in the miniature plot that is happening on this sit down? Um, Cause if, if so great, if not, then maybe that's the area where, You'll have more fun playing it. The dungeon master will have more fun DMing for you. The players around you will have more fun interacting and watching with your character. But uh, for sure, that's... real quick, back to your point from before about um, like existing and living in the world and kind of feeling like it's a cohesive unit, not just the dungeon master's painting the backdrop and you're just kind of splatting your splatting your shit right in the front. I, I just want to give a, a good shout out to Alexander in the comments because I, I I think out of all the players he shines especially when it, like in my homebrew even when we were playing adventures league and we had little like side characters or throwaway comments he would always do this um he would always do this thing where like maybe he'd be describing what his character was doing in the meantime and it would harken back to an old episode or an old uh, callback or whatever he was really really good at that and i really appreciated that so i'm going to agree with you there with um kind of like in not just splatting your splat on the top of what my splat is, but mixing our splats. If you can mix your splats with the DM splats, <laughs> that's that, that's gonna you know getting your chocolate and my peanut butter is really gonna make a make for a fun session. Two great tastes that taste great together. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you know one thing that I and this might even just be from like a logistical standpoint, but um, players who like, and again, I'm not saying you have to be a rules lawyer, like the name implies. I'm not saying that you have to know everything, but if you just understand your shit so that it's not halting the flow of things. If it's in combat or whatever, that we're not cracking open the books, looking at the, having an argument over the rules, or like if you're summoning some sort of like uh, elemental, and if you have the stats for the elemental ready, that sort of thing. If you can kind of have things like just streamlined, really it's about thinking about your move 
before it t- comes up to your role in initiative. Cause then you're saying, Oh shit, what am I going to do now? And you're he and Han for a minute or two. And you're like, Oh, well, okay, shit. I'll cast guy, gu- uh, fucking uh eldest blast oh uh what's the range on that uh i don't know like the, the player doesn't even have their own range of their own spell on their own sheet or something mm-hmm. like that or because uh, mm-hmm. that that oh i didn't even think of that because that is yeah. just the dm's best friend when oh, a player yeah. isn't pushy with the rules but does know their own rules because yeah. that that is something that happens at a, a table where sometimes a player will be like, oh, I forgot to add my rage damage for this entire battle. And the dungeon master says, I can't keep track of everyone mm-hmm. else's mechanics. I've got my own characters, my own uh, NPCs, my own battles, my own set of rules, and I'm overseeing all of this. Can you at least master your own mechanics? Yeah, um, yeah. Well, there's even a couple of spells, which I, I know within like certain circles kind of gets memed a little bit, but like um, summon Fey or summon elementals, the DM will provide the stats for that. Fuck that. I'm not providing the stats for your summon elementals. You provide your own fucking stats for that. I'm well, not going to go crack open my book. Like if you want to summon the, fire, the fucking fire elemental yourself. Well, here's the thing. They, um, there's, there's some debate on the summon Fey, especially because of like the famous uh, summon eight T-Rexes. Or, oh yeah, uh, there's, there's that cheesy bullshit. Yeah, the, the, the cheesy bullshit. And the dungeon master is supposed to choose what or roll what, uh, which Fey um, appear. The player just gets to say, I want eight creatures, four creatures, two creature, or one big daddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the dungeon master says, which... So in that situation, the dungeon master might need to uh, weigh in a little bit. What like might need to provide some material or provide some stat blocks just because that is how they're retaining the power to avoid that crazy cheese. Mm-hmm. Have the player summon eight uh, fairies or whatever that use polymorph on each other, or the players to uh, make eight T Rexes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For the cost of like a third level spell, I want to give a quick call out to uh, Matthew, who was uh, he he did a, he did some fun uh, rip, riffing on that with one of our when we completed the final episode of the uh, our our players group name was the Goat Pimps. That was our actual play. Like those the goat, goat pimps. The Goat Pimps. Yeah, they they pimped a they at one point pimped a goat very early on in the in the early. Yeah, so those characters, their group name was the Goat Pimps. And when we were wrapping up like the saga of the Goat Pimps, he did some really fun riffing on the um the whole uh on a lot of things adventurously related and also the whole cheese of fairies and um T-Rexes and such. Nice, but. I'll have to check that out. I shouldn't judge the uh I, I shouldn't judge the goat pimps because our our kind of group name, especially in all the group chats that we have, is uh Shrek is love because that's the name of the ship uh that they are sailing the seven seas with. Uh, mm. they named it after the monster that spared them. <laughs> that was part of the agreement. Um but yeah, uh, a player who knows their rules but isn't pushy is probably another I- I'll DM for players that don't know their own rules. I've mm. even DM for players where I've said Give, give me all but these two dice right here. You won't need them. That is like the player didn't know their own rules to a pretty large extent to where other dice would be a distraction. Mm-hmm. And I said, roll this one when you want to see how, like if you did something or not and roll this one to see how well you did it uh, in terms of, you know, hit uh, hitting and damage. For sure. um, and yeah, I, I DM for a lot of players who don't know the rules 
quite a bit, but oh, the ones that know the rules and just know their mechanics, it can just like fly by quicker. There's so much less uh, preparation, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to leveling up. Uh, because if character doesn't know how to level themselves up again, it's something that I'm extremely fine with. There are some casual people who also, I, they, they don't have their own resources. Like they don't have like their own books mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. that's not always uh, feasible to, for some people. Uh, but they, they're not as uh, well learned on the leveling up process. I got to go through and level up two or three characters, but the one player at the table can level themselves up and or help another player. Mm-hmm. Yep. All of a sudden exactly. that process gets twice as fast. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That is correct. Uh, JC Lake comes in the gold pimps. That was uh, my character. JC was very much. Uh, she thought Wait, she was the leader. Is, is JC the, uh, the uh, diviner half elf? Yeah. Yeah. She's a, she's a, she's a diviner halfling. Oh, the halfling. Whole, I JC like arguably might be my favorite character and I, I'm not going to sit here and gush on my own character for too much, but the thing that I tried to accomplish with her, her was a, a blending of, and this, this might be my, um, this might even be like my, my last pick for like what a player can do to try to like be an, enjoyable and, and play along with. But with her backstory, I didn't write too much of a backstory, but I just, I tried to explain through her backstory why she has the powers that she does and why the mechanics and the numbers in the meta are the way in the in the world where um she she has uh the divining wizard feet obviously uh because she's a divine wizard and then she also had halfling luck she eventually took that other the halfling, lucky feet. Oh. yeah no she took the lucky feet and then there's halfling luck and then there's second chance which is a feat from xanathar's which is halfling exclusive and like the, the justification behind her being able to like see into the future all that way was that whenever she went to sleep, unbeknownst to her, she would like write in this journal that was also her spell book. And it would give her like little glimpses of the future. So she'd have like advantage or she knows certain roles and and that sort of thing. So with that being said, I was trying to emulate um, a trait that I enjoy seeing in other people, which is try to have fun with blending like the meta and the rules and maybe the numbers and maybe having it reflect in the story. I think that's, it's very fun and it's engaging. And like I say, often it's kind of like getting that juicy peach just a little juicier so you can just get a ring it out and take a bite out of it you, you know? have such a way with words um <laughs> yes I, i'm quite the wordsmith well and- splat on splat mix mix your splat with my splat and get that juicy peach in my face dog that <laughs> you got your peach in my chocolate you got yeah, your chocolate put that on my, my peach. put that on my fucking tombstone oh my god uh, but yeah, that I can concur with that quite a bit. That's not just a pat on the back. If somebody co- kind of goes through some really creative lengths to flavor the mechanics in a way that mm. like can make sense, and then again, it breathes with the world instead of just being like a I don't know or yeah. like it it just happens kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that's that's uh, pretty great. Whenever a player can kind of flavor. That's something that I've done with some of my uh, dumber characters. Cause like I said, dumb characters are my favorite thing to, um, to role play. I think that it leads to a lot of comedic timing. And I think that it kind of just, it, I just like to be a big lumbering dumb character. It's it's. And the reason uh, sometimes I will know the, where we're supposed to go, or I know the solution to the puzzle, but I'm a dumb character and I'll tell the dungeon master. Okay. I know where this is uh, or 
I know that there's like probably thieves can't or whatever on the wall, letting us know where the brick is that has the key in it. So we can unlock ourselves out of this jail cell, just stuff like that. Like, just like, little. I'm like, I think that I got this, but instead of looking for thieves can't, can I stumble upon it by looking for neat rocks or patterns? On yeah, the wall? sure. Like, sure. Like my character is too dumb <laughs> to look for thieves canter to look for a hidden message on how to escape the cell from other thieves who have been here before mm-hmm. but he, he i i want uh, my good ideas to be interpreted as just dumb luck so mm-hmm. he can point out these fancy scribbles or he found whatever like when he, when he was just looking for something much you know more lowbrow or dumber uh or a very cool rock he's looking for arrowheads Another concept that I had was going to be a big, as big and strong and dumb and bumbling of a rogue as possible. And his stealth was going to be so good. Just out of dumb luck. Like he was going to drunkenly master out of everyone's sight, (laughs) not with intention, but just like one of those, gosh, I'm trying to compare it to something in fiction. Like the, the baby that Tom and Jerry would have to like babysit sometimes. (laughs) And and it's a really good pull. That's a really good pull. Yeah, be uh, weaving in and out of these dangerous situations mm. that it was just narrowly avoiding. But yeah, I wanted my character to just like stumbly and bumbly through areas. Or uh, stealth would also be interpreted as, oh my gosh, don't look at him. Like he's embarrassing us all. Just like wait for him to pass, walk by. Like, oh shit, where'd he go? Yeah. Where, where, where'd he go? <laughs> Instead of stealth being just, uh, I can hide or like be out of your um, sense. Yeah, his his cringe, his really his pass without a trace is like cringe. A cloud of cringe comes out, and that's why he gets such a a badass bonus. I like that a lot. That's very yeah. fun. But that that that's I I'm just like finishing your point on yeah, just flavoring game mechanics in a way mm-hmm. that doesn't change them, but makes them justified and breathe in in and out of the world. Exactly. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of. Is there anything else you want to touch on with character creation or? Or going on with anything else? Because I, I can talk a little bit more yet. I'm... I would just say, uh, with character creation, don't be extremely bound by the meta, or don't be extremely bound by optimizing. Because mm. if you're going to be a ranger, uh, it seems in theory like the only thing that you should be is a wood elf. Or if you're going to be a druid, the only thing that you should be is a hill dwarf, uh, based off the ability score improvements alone. Um, but like most often that's not like the most fun way to play or you're pigeonholing yourself and not doing what you really want to do. Um, I would ask your dungeon master if you could swap out an ability score here or there, because sometimes that is the biggest make or break that you can, uh, do. Cause that's like what some of us do. Uh, I, I haven't done it with my own dragonborns, but if a player wanted to play a dragonborn and instead of having a plus two strength, plus one charisma, if they wanted to have a plus two dex, plus one intelligence, I'd say, yeah, that seems to carry over like, like dot for dot. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'd have them color coded though. Like the black dragonborn is the plus two dex plus one. So maybe, uh, maybe I take a Liberty with the color of dragonborn or maybe, mm-hmm. Uh, very specifically say that they're the only one of their race. Like if they want to be a half elf who instead of having charisma has wisdom or intelligence just because of they were born way less social, even in spite of their crossbreed half breed, you know, they were born less social, but they were born intelligent. They're a little bit more of an intelligent savant having a half elf 
with a plus two in wisdom or intelligence instead of charisma, that's not game breaking. Having no, no, I agree. I, I think that fifth edition is forgiving enough, or maybe just yeah, maybe it's tricked us into thinking that it's forgiving when really, like, they're already basically OP kind of from the get go anyway. It, well, here's the thing: <laughs> it reminds me of like a, this is an adaptation from the uh, Incredibles. If everyone's OP, no one's OP. Exactly, exactly. No, I, I, I like it. Yeah, it's. It's flexible in its way of like just kind of already not giving a shit about the balance that if like somebody you, you, can, you can switch that shit out and like it's really not gonna you know yeah if somebody came matter. to me and they said I love half orcs they're a very fun race for me to imagine playing and uh, but I also kind of want to be a wizard in this uh, like what are my options I would tell them take a plus two in one stat a plus one in another stat or I'd tell them uh, choose another actual race. And then we'll skin it as a half one. Mm. Or, yeah. But, and if you really want to, like, if you really want to get into like the fun, like if you want to play like in world stuff, you know, you could be like, okay, well, part of you is orc, part of you is half elf or uh, or high elf. Yeah. For example, you know, you you can get like a bump and con, bump and int, which or there might be some people that might balk at the idea of con and int and wizards and blah blah. But like, you could really you could have fun with it. You could start mixing some shit up. You can homebrew it and like. That's one thing that I, I like to highlight on myself is through my upbringing and where I came from. Just to I, end up, I think that like we might be on a second video now because we hit a hundred minutes and it might have rolled over. So we are oh. one minute into a second video. Oh, for anyone joining us and they're very confused, <laughs> see part one probably right there. That's interesting. Oh, you might actually have to share the second one just in case. I might. We'll check, I'll, I'll check on that here. In a I'll check bit. on. I'll check on that. That's interesting. So um, but I mean anyway, I'm trying. I'm always trying to break my like um my brainwashing gaslit mentality that like going through the gauntlet of adventures league had put me through into thinking of what things should be. And like the more and more I get away from it, it's like, I'm cool with fucking around, you know, getting into the machine and start pulling out bolts and rearranging them. And you, you still have a fun time. Ultimately, yeah. like, if everyone's invested and everyone's agreeing to like what we're all allowed to do, and there's a general consensus on what's going on, then I think everyone's going to have fun. And that's the whole point. We At don't need to honor yeah, at the end of the day, we don't need to honor like the word. We don't need to honor like this like imaginary integrity that we're all kind of like, kind of accepting as a real thing, but it really isn't a real thing. Well, if a Just, character told me that they want to be an especially strong half orc and instead of have a plus two, have a plus six to strength, I'm probably ninety percent of me says hell no. The other ten nah. percent of me says, okay, then you're sacrificing your plus one and con and literally every other racial feature. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and maybe even your point by is going to be extremely skewed. Like, like, I, like I, as a DM would say, if you want to be that strong, we're going to have to rebalance the game because that's not a flavor choice. Or like that, is a, that is a balance. Like you are just now a walking block of muscle and your dex is like a fucking four because you're just like a cube of muscle and you just go forward at five feet per round. Yeah, that's and like uh, like I was kind of going with the example of the half work wizard earlier. If, if somebody just like wanted to be like a, yeah, most half orcs have this racial bonus, plus two strength, plus one constitution. You could be the runt of the litter. Uh, you could be, you know, just like you were born small. You were born an outcast part, probably why you joined this party of other, other misfits, which is mm -hmm. what most parties are. Like, maybe that's why you became a wizard because you weren't the head of the football team. Like you, you, uh, and that's maybe why you be, had the sage background because you isolated yourself and you read your books. Maybe 
instead of in place of that strength, instead of being inferior, your strength was just uh, reallocated into intelligence at birth instead. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I don't think that, that would be game breaking because I would love to play a half orc druid, uh, partially because of one game mechanic where that uh, relentless endurance. Amazing. Uh, it's an extreme, it's borderline the best racial uh, racial feature in the game, as far yeah. as I can tell, other than, you know, just some ability score improvements or elves have some good stuff as far as they're uh, not being able to be put to sleep magically. Four hours of sleep is all they need during the long rest, uh, which is misinterpreted sometimes, but I'll get to that on a different date. But uh, the, like the relentless endurance, if you're in wild shape, uh, the the wording is you, if you were in wild shape and then you went down to zero HP, normally you'd go into half orc form, but the way that relentless endurance words and uh, the uh, wild shape words, you could use the relentless endurance to stay in wild shape with one HP. That's very interesting. Because yeah. it doesn't say become unconscious. It says go to zero health points. You instead it, go to one. And it, you sure. instead go to one, and that works in wild shape because of the way that wild shape is worded. Yeah. And, I interpret it that way for sure. And yeah, it's uh that's something that I've always wanted to do, but because of kind of like the game being the way that it is, I wouldn't probably want to have a character who like I could be fine with a character um not having a wisdom modifier if we were starting with the feet, because that's what I've done with uh Damien the Dragonborn. Mm -hmm. But like a plus two to strength and a plus one to uh constitution. Those those stats are going to be like a little bit wonky as far as uh, I don't really want any strength. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, because when you're in wild shape anyway, that strength it doesn't matter. Over no. and and if you have shillelagh, then you can <laughs> use your wisdom as a modifier for you know bludgeoning damage instead of strength. So shillelagh is amazing. Uh, the the one last thing that I thought of that would be a, an interesting topic of conversation is: is there any? of your favorite characters in like books or media or movie or comics or whatever that you really like maybe try to emulate or that you have before, um, or maybe that you want to. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, my, my, uh, Eldritch Knight Castiel, he's a very heroic stoic. He's my most serious character. That's not saying a lot, but it's still like a pretty big gap, like where he can still like sit down at the bar and like have like a little bit of fun with people. But like, he's not the big dumb idiot that all of my other characters are. <laughs> or your dude uh, wears I, my car. Or your dude wears my car, Dragonborn. I, and he's uh, not extremely wise, not extremely charismatic, but he's pretty smart. And he's, just, he's a very tough guy. I base him a lot on, uh, some of the characters from My Hero Academia, uh, specifically All Might, because that's a character in the anime My Hero Academia who his strength isn't his true strength. Uh, his ability to defeat uh, villains is useful, but he's most useful as the uh, symbol of peace, the beacon of, of hope that he is he's the number one hero, even though he doesn't beat the most villains, he is the strongest, but like that, like that's beside the point. The reason why he's the number one hero, even though he doesn't do the most work per se is because he's him as a symbol is what keeps crime at bay. Him as a symbol is what keeps the hope of the people. Alive. That's like what uh, mm. 
my Eldritch Knight very much based off of just like sometimes his speeches or sometimes like his bravado and his image are based off of that. And also, yeah, he wants to uphold his image. Like above all else, he wants to be a hero and give like everyone. He doesn't just like want to beat a villain. He wants to beat a villain while almost running a campaign of good. Like anybody who's seeing this battle wouldn't just see a villain being beat. They would see this hero and it would inspire heroes in future generations. I like that a lot. Yeah, that that is like one of the biggest inspirations. Uh, Damien, the Dragonborn Druid, he's very based off of just like Michelangelo from TMNT. He just got, yeah, like kind of like a dude, where's my car? As you said earlier, just kind of like a, whoa, like where are we going now, guys? Like, I just kind of want to stay back and, you know, have some of this dank kush. Like, <laughs> like he's never said anything like that. Like, that's sure. kind of the character that he is. Um, I've, I've just had some other just... Uh, just big dumb. If you just think of like a big dumb underbitey, like I love like just like a big dumb satisfied grin. Mm-hmm. Even if I'm not thinking of another character, like I go with like a facial expression or a concept of here's how I'm going to want to like look while I'm being this character. Uh, and it's not. I can't even think of like another character from fiction. And my my newest one, Corin Goodbarrel. He's very Gimli. He's very very, very Gimli because I, I love his thirst for battle his excite like like uh and and yeah like i take the accent and the fact that he's a dwarf also makes that in um gosh there's probably somebody that i'm forgetting that i like i could also incorporate in but yeah just like a like a lot of dwarves or a lot of fun having like somebody that you'd imagine having fun on a battlefield mm-hmm. i i very much going back to um your your castiel i i enjoy um you're kind of picking some really cool uh, attributes and traits from really popular, good, well-known, uh, you know, fictional characters. I think like Batman's kind of dipping into that territory. Cavolf uh, from the King Killer Chronicles is very much like not even so much the the numbers that he can come out with, but like the symbol that he can become and create. Kelsier from uh, Mistborn is also very much like that too. It, it's cool to see like someone trying to emulate some of those. Uh, uh, some of those traits that are popular with like those those type of characters, like in, in once you can kind of hit that sweet spot where like it's not just numbers that you're doing, it's not just numbers you're adding to dice or your average damage output, but if you can use all the tools that the game provides you and then create that thing, you now have your own version of like Batman or Kelsier or 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 whatever. So I, I think that's really cool, and I, I like that a lot. It, that takes a lot of um. I think it's just the most fun because. I feel like when you play D and D a certain amount of yourself shines through of like, I'd say like there's some percentage of your real personality. Cause that's going to be unavoidable. And there's going to be some person or some percentage of this is who I would be if I had the choice or the power to be whatever I wanted. Uh, you know, like some people, like when they have the power, they become that douchey person at the table uh, and, and then you kind of kind of can give that side eye like, oh, this is who you'd be if nothing were stopping you, apparently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was a realization that I came to like, after making a bunch of these characters and Castiel being kind of like this hero. Uh, and like I, I really, really enjoy that like whole be a hero and like also like just like the 
image of being a hero to inspire other like like i i can just imagine that character being on a battlefield and other people who were down for the count and like ready to kind of like give up or just not knowing how they're going to do more seeing the actions that this character <laughs> takes uh and what the hell jay <laughs> Like if somebody were to see, you know, Castiel being Castiel, like in doing these hero things, it's not just the enemies that he's taking on him being able to possibly raise up and inspire his allies to, to go beyond their limits or in the show, go beyond plus ultra is the, the phrase that they use in my hero academia. It's, it's very good. It's something that I draw a lot of inspiration from for my characters. I'd highly recommend it. If you have any way to watch, uh, watch that show. You know, I've been I've been dipping my toe in anime lately. I I tried watching Full Metal Alchemist, but it's very very good. But I will often have it on when I'm taking care of my babies, and like mm. you can't really watch that passively. No, there, <laughs> there's there's a lot going on in Full. There's Metal a lot going on. I, uh, I'm on like season four now. I have no idea what the fuck is going on. No idea. Yeah, I should I should really just restart it. Um, but um, I might you know this might be a good time to call it. I, my dog. I'm a little afraid that. She's barking at something I need to be concerned with. So <laughs> I don't know if it's someone's trying to break into my house or some shit or what's going on. But well, I wish you all the best with that. Hopefully that's not the case. Um, yeah, hopefully I don't have to roll initiative in real life right now. But <laughs> yeah. Grab your big white binder and uh, <laughs> Yeah, that it gives me shield stats, doesn't it? Uh, that's um, a D twelve bludgeoning for sure. That's right, for sure. Well, thanks for you know. I just I just texted you yesterday for doing a kind of a quick little uh, improvised live stream thing. So I'm glad that you were down for that. It was two days ago for me, just because my days are different days because I work nights. Uh, so mm -hmm. like, I'm, I'm not awake during the day. So like Monday morning to me is Sunday night. Sure. Yeah, so <laughs> that's true. <laughs> cool. All right, man. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, do it again soon. We'll make we'll make it happen. Yeah, give give a special shout out and a special thank you to Taylor, Alex, or Andy, whatever uh, whatever you like to be called. Uh, Colin, oh, there was one more in there, I swear. Um, but everybody who's contributing, and yeah, we we like it when you ask questions and when you contribute because that gives us stuff to talk about. And mm, very much. we have an audience, so thank you very much for coming and checking us out. Yeah, for real. Uh, anything you want to? Well, you know, you're not. Uh, not to pick a sore spot, but you're not doing any. <laughs> no, no comedy going form. on right now. Fingers yeah. crossed, but hopefully we'll get uh, back to that soon. But I think that this will be us signing off until next time. Uh, keep your eyes peeled for any updates on that. All right. Peace out. <laughs>